Welcome to the Gourds and Pomegranates podcast, talking common sense for church communications. Here's Hannah and Joe. I got told recently that my website was, well, I won't say what he actually said, but it <laughs> was underwhelming. They weren't quite sure exactly what I did, and it did make me have a think that actually, to be honest, it's I've not given it a lot of attention lately, um, and it isn't reflective necessarily of the work that I'm currently doing and where I am professionally, even though where I am ministerially, I suppose. No, that's probably not yeah. the right word either, but it's not reflective of who I am right now. So having recently done our website uh, episode, I am already starting to put some of the things that you've said, and it wasn't, you know, you were talking about church stuff, but actually there was so much that I was like, oh, that's really useful. Like thinking about, <laughs> is things up to date? No, I did have a photo from five years ago. It's not so much the colours changed, actually. The colour's kind of the same at the moment. It's just that the length <laughs> has changed. Um, but actually easy to find information, you know. Is of it your easy? hair, you mean? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, though, to be honest, you know, it might change tomorrow. I might have blue hair tomorrow or something, and then it would be different. <laughs> um, so I think it should be a roving... Um, I know we said you don't like the banners, but it will just be all my different haircuts. That That's probably the easiest way I to... I think you're just describing a live webcam. Yeah, just today's look is this. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the fact more was that it was a five-year-old photo. Yeah. Um, easy to find information like email, even though actually it was, um, it's easy enough to find, but actually how do people get in touch with me? And just thinking about the user experience. So the nature of my work's a bit complicated because how I get my clients, uh, it's not that I work with that many independent churches they tend to come from sort of consultancy with associations or the BU or something but actually thinking well how if someone wanted to work with me how do they see that so yeah I'm already I'm already found that episode valuable and I'm that's that's good to hear I think sometimes it's helpful just to have even if I wasn't evaluating your website just to have that external objective either challenge or validation Mm. of things that you could be doing better or things that you're doing well and going actually yeah like maybe I just did that because I felt it was the right thing but someone else saying it just makes me sure it was the right thing so yeah hopefully that's that's something which other people have found with with their websites and you know for the other comms that we that we do as well that we talk about and and we review yeah so come back for the next website episode where we'll be looking at if I actually have done those changes that I've planned <laughs> to do this is just is true, yeah. <laughs> so um, today we're going to be talking about more of our favourite tools and resources. This is the fourth time um, that we have done this type of episode. Um, hopefully, it's helpful to people. Hopefully, there are um, tools that you can pick up and use that you haven't heard of before, or maybe just use them in different ways. And we always have that focus on where possible, free or cheap, just so that you can know that you're getting the value um, out of those tools for your church because churches aren't particularly known for having huge budgets, um, mm. despite what people might often think. So today I'm going to hand over to Hannah to share her tool, first of all. Yay! Um, I mean, I'm actually kind of quite excited about this one because I really love it. So in the last tools feature, I said that I'm doing a lot of video creation lately and it's been really exciting to explore that sort of branch of my work and I think you know personally I've been improving in just having done the last few projects 
And now, you know, editing tools like DaVinci Resolve are great and I love them. But alongside the editing, audio is a huge part of filmmaking. Now, for this, I'm not going to be talking about audio levels of interviews, sound and sort of mics and stuff that I'm kind of still working on. I don't know all of that stuff in and out. But one thing I love is the music, especially if it's a video on a holiday club that I've recently done. I went to a a church and filmed that holiday club. And so it was Mm -hmm. sort of lots of kids playing, having fun, eating. And then I did a bit of interviews. So I want to find some like appropriate music for that. And, you know, music can completely change how your video is portrayed. I do kind of quite like those videos on YouTube where, you know, quite well-known films uh, are overlaid with other music that is not their original accompanying music that's meant to be on it. So one thing that's quite amusing, I find, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory um, with sort of creepy horror suspense music over the top completely changes Mm -hmm. the sort of the tone of how we see the film or something like a Marvel film, uh, you know, they're fighting, it's adventure, it's dramatic. And it's sort of some sort of fun, happy, clappy music um, that completely sort of minimizes the sense of drama and adventure and um, intensity that is meant to be in that moment. I find that quite funny. However, as a creator, then you need to find the right music So if we're making videos or short films or even sort of social media content, where can we go to find good music? Because let's be honest, a lot of the free stuff is not always good quality. That doesn't cost an arm and a leg, you know, and especially if the videos are not for commercial use where you're making money, but it's something for your church. Again, well, we've had a holiday club or we just want to make a little film about the Christmas activities we've had on, but also won't violate the copyright strikes on social media. Because you're using, you know, worship music that you do need to pay for. Now, YouTube Audio Library is all right. Um, There's been the odd thing that I found on there. However, it is free. So that's pretty good. And you know that actually because it's from YouTube, YouTube aren't going to get funny about it. That is a plus point. Yeah. (laughs) And that is a stressful thing for so many churches because they see that they have a flag or something yeah. Oh, this has been told that we can't use this video or that the music's been taken down or something. And ah, But actually, it's not until you have the strikes that it's a problem. Yeah. But actually, if you're not monetizing the channels, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But equally, there's this. But it's still it's a potential sort of confusion. And oh, I absolutely. mean, like you say, with, with the strikes on on live streaming, where it's a bit more critical, it actually can have an impact and can affect mm. your channel. Yeah, yeah. Um. So YouTube Audio Library is good but it's not my favorite my favorite that i am absolutely loving at the moment is epidemic sounds we'll put a link in the description notes for the episode but it is as it's said uh, epidemic sounds and it is a music and audio resource made by kind of a lot of them are most of them i think actually are actual creators and it is good quality music loads of different types and you know some stuff i actually i listen to it on the site and then found it on Spotify as well. So actually I'm listening to those, a lot of that music it is legitimate music rather than sort of, I know, it's not plasticky music, it's not the right word, but sort of like, oh, this will mm. do. And one of the things for me I really love as well is actually there's worship music on there as well. Oh, brilliant. And there's some of it is, uh, it does have words and lyrics on it. And other times you can take the lyrics out or it's, they, they just do an instrumental version. 
So I find that actually I can find loads of different types of music, um, different genres. You can like search them by theme, genre, moods, or even sort of sound effects. But the the variety is so good and I'm not feeling like I'm using the same one or two good songs or it's sort of actually, well, I have to diversify slightly and it's not as good quality. There's so many different things and there's loads of stuff being added all the time. In how the songs are displayed as well, that actually you can see the length of it, you can see the beats per minute. So if I'm going for, again, Kids Holiday Club, I want something a little bit more upbeat mm. um, and I want it for three minutes, four minutes, two and a half minutes. And actually it's so much easier to find the right stuff mm. and then it's categorized. So I'm looking at some now. Acoustic group, laid back, sentimental. Acoustic group, hopeful, laid back. Praise and worship, happy, hopeful. Do you really have a clear idea of what you're looking for or what I want to choose to use? You can then um, save them into playlists. So I had some thinking kind of ahead as I was coming up to Christmas. I was like, right, I know I'm going to need some Christmas music. And um, so I'm going to start having a look to see what is out there now. And so I have a Christmas playlist. So I know even next year when I go into making Christmas content, yeah, I've got that stuff that I know that I like. Or I've got things for laid back work stuff or um, exciting work projects so that actually I know already well, this is something I've heard and I know that I'd like to use it in the future. So it's really helpful that I'm not just searching on a sort of a blank list for songs in the future. Then when you download them, you can download full mix or just instrument or melody. So if you hear a song and it's got vocals over the top that actually if you don't want the vocals because you've got a lot of talking happening as well, you can take that out and it just your choices of download options is brilliant. That's really good. So you can download the stems. And I think that's what I found in the past is it's really helpful to have a full mix as well as the instrumental version. Mm. That doesn't mean you have to use one or the other. You can cut or fade between them. So it might be that for the intro or outro of the video, you want to have some vocals on it to sort of introduce the idea. And then when a voiceover comes in or someone else starts talking, you can fade to that instrumental version and yeah, not have it being distracting from what's being said. Yeah, definitely. For some other places where you can get audio from, you just don't have that option. And so actually you're limited in what you can end up creating. So I just know that I can find something in there. Yeah. I mean, it takes a bit of time sometimes because I get distracted listening to anything and everything, but I just find it so much. I come away going, oh, I've got three song options rather than just one that I've kind of scraped the barrel with. Now, the kind of tricky thing for churches, um, especially as we're trying to offer sort of as free options as possible, this does not have a free version. Um, Controversial. You do have to pay for it. It is £10 a month, which I know is still, that's £120 a year. That is still a chunk of budget. And it's easy for me to say because it's my work. So I'm getting paid for the videos I make and I can kind of offset those costs. So for me, it does make sense. But if you know you're going to be creating a lot or you know that you really like to you know, offer this as a resource for comms ministry, I do think it's worth it because it just levels up your content. And actually audio within film is like the most important things it doesn't matter if you can't see as well or if the quality of visual isn't as good if the audio is terrible and that's the same for just someone speaking I think music is then really important as well so you do have to pay for it but I really do believe that it's worth it yeah and if I'm all for hiring professionals to do jobs which require that professionalism 
But actually, if you've not got the budget to hire a musician, mm. we have musicians in our church. Can they create something of a standard that we really want to put it out on video? Probably not, if we're honest. Mm. And so if we haven't then got the budget to hire a musician, £120 over the year is realistic, um, albeit, you know, not free. No. Um, so, yeah, as you say, if it's something you're going to be using a lot and making the most of it, then it's probably worth the money. So it's not one of those kind of vital essential tools, yeah. but I think it levels up anything where you need music. So I would say don't be put off by the fact that you do have to pay. Go and check it out and see what it's like, because I truly believe it's worth it and it will really encourage you wanting to make more films. Yeah. So, Joe, what have you got this time? I'm keen to hear. I'm well, like recommendations. I mean, we mentioned at the beginning of the episode about websites and something we mentioned in our website episode is about images. So I'm going to go through a very quick step-by-step guide on exporting images for websites um, using two tools. One's called Squish, which is fun to say, <laughs> and the other one is called Image Optim. Um, they're both really easy to use tools, but which one you need will depend on your process for sort of the rest of it. So um, I'll go mm. I'll go through both um, just to remind on why this is important. File size is a really big thing in terms of websites and images. If you're producing print content, it's not important. You just want the best quality possible. But for websites, you know, as we've mentioned, it can have an impact on SEO because of the amount of time it takes for it to load. And that can obviously have a really negative impact on your users, which search engines don't like, um, especially for those who are on mobile. So yeah, it's worth worth getting right. So basically the process is going to go through having an image file on my computer and getting it onto my website in the best way possible. And we're assuming that we're on a computer and we're not going to complicate things too much um, by thinking about mobile here. Mm. Um, as much as you can do so much on a mobile when it comes to actually uploading things to the website, it tends to be simpler on a computer. So your first step, you're going to take your photo, your image file, and you're going to open it in a photo editor. Now, that might be Canva. It might be Photoshop. Basically, any app that will let you open and edit an image. So we're going to assume that you don't need to make any edits for brightness or for retouching or anything like that. At this point, we're going to keep it simple because the main thing that we need to do is to crop the image and get it in the right aspect ratio, the right shape. And this might have been given to you by your website designer, or you might just be able to look at the image on your site that you're trying to replace so that you can match it to this. But essentially, as I say, it's the right shape. So for this example, we're going to think about a small image. Let's say we need it at 300 pixels wide and 200 pixels high. So we need to crop it at 300 by 200 or a three by two ratio. Mm. We're going to split off because you can export from here and um, let Scrooge do the rest. And then we'll come back for perhaps a slightly more advanced process that gives you a little bit more control in a second. So you've cropped your image, you can save or export it, and then all we need to do is head over to the website so we can use Squish, and that's squish.app. But as always, we'll include links to all the tools in the episode description. And then you can drag and drop the image you exported into Squish. If you're listening along right now and you don't have an image to work on then if you just go to squeeze.app there are some examples on the home page that you can use to have a play around i always like the little red panda <laughs> <laughs> so with your image dropped into squish 
what it will do is it will give you a preview with the original on the left hand side and then the new smaller version on the right hand side and also on the right hand side you'll find all the settings so this is what we need to take a look at and there's two things that we need to do here so assuming that you cropped your image in your image editor but you didn't actually resize it the first thing we need to do is tick the resize box in squish and then put in the width so we'll put in 300 pixels for the width and because we've already got it at the correct ratio that will mean that the height is automatically set to 200 pixels and then we're going to move slightly down the settings into the compress tab and all we're going to do here is move the quality slider down to 50 percent now at this point as I say, there's a preview on the screen of the original and the resized compressed version, and you might be a bit worried that the preview is looking really blurry, mm. especially if you've got a really big image that's, say, 5,000 pixels, and you've now resized it down to 300. Mm. But remember, this is really zoomed in. So if you change the zoom level at the bottom of the screen so that it's close to actually being 300 pixels, wow. the chances are you're not going to notice any difference between the two. So you've resized the image, you've compressed it. Now all you need to do is click the blue download button and the file will be saved to your computer, ready for you to add it to your website. And that's it, done and resized. But as you download it, notice just to the left of that download button that it gives you a percentage of how much you've saved, the reduction in your file size. It will show you your new file size as well. And the chances are it's quite a big saving. So with a standard photo taken on a smartphone these days, it's probably anywhere between three and 10 megabytes but we're now probably looking closer to just a handful of kilobytes. For the image that I use as an example, at 300 pixels wide, you could probably get it as low as 10 or 20 kilobytes, which is really small, but admittedly that is very small 300 pixels wide image. So if it were a bigger size that you needed it to be bigger on your website, it's gonna be more. And that exact file size will change and it will depend not only on the width you need, but also what's in the image. So. It's hard to give an exact figure, but as a rough guide, hopefully most of your images can be sort of a maximum of half a meg or like 500, 600 kilobytes. Um, so that's the process with Screech. For me, I use Photoshop for editing my images. So what I'll do is I will resize in Photoshop after I've cropped it and set it to um, that size so that that's the resize tab in Screech. And then when I export it, I'll export it at around 50% quality anyway which is sort of the compression stage. But that's also where you can be more granular. So you can change that depending on the quality of the image, which in fairness you can do in Squish as well. Mm. So if you need it to be a higher quality image, maybe if it's the um, first thing people see on your homepage, you might be able to go a little bit higher. Or if it's something which isn't very detailed, you might be able to get a little bit lower. So yeah, I'd resize it in Photoshop. I'd export it as a JPEG. And then all I am going to do for myself is drag and drop that file into image optim and that does all the compression for me so a few seconds later it's worked its magic it's compressed it's nice and tiny and that's ready for me to upload to the site um, so that's just my process um, using image optim but for most people squish will do just as good a job and then the last step and this is once you've got your final image and you've uploaded it to your website make sure that you're setting the title and the alt text this is primarily important for accessibility, so for people whose vision isn't quite so good and so they have screen readers and it will help them to know what is actually in the image. Um, but it's also helpful for SEO mm. because as much as image recognition is, is coming along, um, it's much easier for search engines to see what's on the page and what's in an image if you tell it by having that alt text there. 
So yeah, hopefully that's something that's just been useful that you can resize your images for the site without losing too much quality, but making them much, much smaller and that being friendly for everyone using the site. I suppose it's one of those things that we don't really think about until we find that our websites are running really slowly. So it's really useful to know that these tools exist and they're definitely, I think, something that I'm going to refer a couple of my clients to because there are some where they could really do with adjusting their photos for the website. (laughs) So that's a short and sweet episode today. Hopefully it's been useful and that you can make use of one of the tools we've talked about. If you have any recommendations of things you'd like us to include in the future, please let us know on hello at gppodcast.uk. Yeah, and somehow we have almost made it to the end of our second series. So come back next week and we will have our series finale. Yay!